Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And I just, I'm smiling because I just remembered how much I like doing this video. <laughs> I was like, I, I was just thinking, to myself, I really like this. Intro this is, music. This Yay. Is, this is really good. We're, we're it back. is always fun to do it. Um, So this is one of our OC Rewinds. We're going to go through some news over the last week. Some uh, some cool stuff happened. Some really funny stuff has happened. Um, and then I've got a topic of... A topic of, of discussion. Discussion, something I want to talk to you about. And also I've been working on the route planning for the trip to the Arctic Ocean. I want to talk about that too. Yes. So there's lots to talk about, but before we get there, what have we got? Yeah, let's talk about Omaze. Omaze is a fundraising platform that offers once-in-a-lifetime experiences, including, noteworthy to us and our listeners, dream-worthy cars. So far, they've actually raised over $130 million for charities around the world. And right now, Omaze is giving away a fully restored 1968 Bullet Mustang. So this is a 600-horsepower beast of a Mustang that was built by Richard Rawlings and the Gas Monkey Garage. And this is a tribute, of course, to the iconic Steve McQueen-driven car in the movie Bullet. And this really is cool. It's got the original 390 it's, it's, big block. It's a really cool car, but I want to interject and just, we've been talking about this car for a few weeks, but I just want to yeah. tell people what the charity's for. And I don't know that we've done that yet. So I'm just going to read where this money is going. Right. So this is for the Gas Monkey Garage Foundation. Right. This is, uh, it's become an agent of change for creating brighter communities for all Texans. They use funds raised from both vehicle donations and individual contributions to reinvest in the community and its people with an emphasis on veterans, children, and the elderly. To date, Gas Monkey Foundation has given over $300,000 to helping make Texas communities brighter. Your generosity will help Gas Monkey Foundation empower veterans, strengthen communities, support those with Alzheimer's, and so much more in order to create a better life for all. And your life can be better with a bullet Mustang with 600 <laughs> horsepower. Absolutely. So, so head over to omaze.com slash overcrest to check it out. And with a donation of just $10, you're entered to win. That's omaze.com slash overcrest. Also, be sure to use the code overcrest50. That's overcrest50 to get 50 bonus entries. Okay. So before we get into the news and some of the other stuff I want to talk about, I wanted to ask you a question. There's actually, the first question I just came up with just now. Two-part question? Two-part question. Okay. One, what do I like to do? Talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no! That is wrong. I like to complain. Well, okay, I, yes. <laughs> Perfect. So I do, I like to complain. Uh-huh. Um, and what are we going to complain about something? No, I'm going to complain about complaining. <laughs> wow. I'm going to complain about the fact that most people complain too much. Okay. So high <laughs> <laughs> pot your kettle. Okay. So what do we, when we talk about cars and we talk about cars that come out, new cars, uh -huh. you know, new car, new models that are out or yep. things we do and don't like, what do we want manufacturers to do? Well, I think our main critique is always it's so boring and the, it seems like nothing is built for the enthusiast anymore and nothing is just simple, analog, right. raw. So what unique. do we do? So what do we do? What is the first thing that us and most news organizations and uh, most people that opine on this stuff or even on social media, everybody else, what is the first thing we do when someone comes out with a new model of car and they say, here it is, this is our performance, whatever the F. What is the first thing we do? Complain about we it? We complain about it. Okay. We absolutely lambaste the company. And the car I have as an example for this, and I was thinking about this, is the Toyota Supra. Okay, yeah. Everybody just absolutely lit that 
car up whether right. it was for its collaboration with bmw mm-hmm. or it doesn't didn't look right or it didn't have enough power it wasn't the correct homage to the original supra all everybody did is light that car up and what happened was social media took over and destroyed any thought that that car would be a popular cool car that people would love to drive and have and so you're saying it was killed out of the gate before yeah. it was even released because of the commentary on it. That car was an absolute miscarriage because of the entire enthusiast community destroying it before so before there was one ever on the road. So your theory is if nobody said anything, it would have been a success or more than it is. I think so. and But that's not my point. My point is if we want cars like that, even if we don't like that car or if we want another <laughs> car that's similar to it or you want a new RX-7 mm-hmm. or you want a proper M3 or a proper AMG or anything, anything, you want any company to take risks, go out there and make a car that they might might be a loss leader for them, right? right? I mean, they're probably not making money on that super. In fact, I can almost guarantee you at this point, they're not. I don't know what the sales numbers are on it, but I don't I don't hear a peep about that car. Right. It's just it didn't excite people because everybody destroyed it. And if you but if you want that stuff to happen, you want these manufacturers to take risks, maybe we need to start thinking on the bright side at this point. This isn't nineteen ninety six where every single company has enthusiast cars that are out there. Right. So, so here we are destroying the concept of doing a performance. So you're saying car. we should not complain about We're these cutting cars. off our nose to spider face. Is exactly what we're doing. With and that, th- that was our episode because we have nothing else to say since we can't complain about anything. I'm Thank not, you, Chris. I'm not saying we can't complain, but I just... <laughs> no, it's a good point, right? Like, why would these manufacturers take these risks for these cars if you look at the track record and say, well, Toyota took a big risk financially on this thing and it totally flopped. So guess what? We at Ford or whatever else, anymore. we're not going to do anything. We're not going to do it. In fact, we're just going to come out with the next Mustang is going to be an electric SUV because that's what people will actually want and spend money on. Even though you look at these, yeah. you got to mention, okay, everybody that works that's an engineer at these places, they wanted to do that probably from the time they were five or six years old, drawing on a chalkboard, looking at cars. They wanted to do it, right? Every sure. every bit, because it's hard. It's not an easy job to get into you know, being an engineer or a designer or anything like that with a right. manu- with a major manufacturer. Everyone that's there, unless you're Chris Bangle, deserves to be there. Okay. Everyone deserves to be there and they want to be there. Okay. And they've been drawing and doing cars and engineering for their entire life. Nobody there loves making a crossover, I bet. Right. What do they want to do? They go, all right, we're going to make all these crossovers and we're going to sell all these Cayennes. We're going to sell all these X5s. We're going to sell all these four Explorers so we can make the Mustang GT, right. so we can make the M3, so we can make an AMG or a 911. All these other things exist so we can still have fun. It's almost like going to work every day so you can go home and have fun when you get there. But we're just ruining that opportunity by continuing to crap on every model that comes out. I'm just saying maybe take it easy. Just a thought. I probably won't take it easy. I love complaining are, about yeah, things. Yeah, you are not going to take your own advice on this. Probably not, but I just wanted to bring it up so people could maybe just chew on it a little bit in their mind. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, side note, today I've been working on my route planning yes, for the... For your trip to the Arctic Circle. So, here's my plan. Okay, you just you can tell me what parts of my plan are dumb. Okay. So, I'm going to ship the car to probably Los Angeles. Or okay. I was thinking either Los Angeles or maybe... Uh, Tucson, Arizona, someplace south. Okay. Because I want to get this breadth of biomes, right? So we're going to so be you going... you want the contrast of being from the desert to, to the, the Arctic. Basically, well, you're not going to have a bunch of snow, but you are going to have the Arctic tundra. 
which sure. is a basically a vast wasteland, but in a different way. So you have the desert, which is a wasteland, and then you have right. the Arctic tundra, which is a wasteland other than polar bears running around and seals, apparently. That's my thought of what <laughs> I'm going to see when I get up there, is a bunch of polar bears running all over the road. So okay. I want to, but there's this huge breadth in between of highlands, you know, uh, high desert, the forests. Yeah, well, that we're not going to Highland. This isn't Scotland, okay? High. It's just the high, like the high desert stuff like that's that. So I'm drinking my scotch. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thought, and I uh, I did a route, and it ends up it's about 120 hours for <laughs> each. Well, one way, the way right. back is probably going to be a little bit easier. I don't know what I'm going to do on the way you, back yet. Uh, we talked about this before you went on air. I I don't think I would drive back. I would get somewhere where I can ship the car from. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do for driving back yet. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> My idea was when you get up to Tuk Tuk Tuk, then there is a little like shipping port, it looks like, and just put your car on a can boat. Can you imagine get it, the like cost, three years later? The cost of shipping a car from Tuk 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 off the Arctic Ocean. Where am I going to ship it to? New York? So I have to drive it home from there? <laughs> you know, it's, you'd have yeah, to ship have it to L.A. We got and then, friends it, on and then put it on a truck and then drive it all the way. Nah, nah, nah. nah. I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited to go. I'm going to bring Alex with me. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to bring a support vehicle or not. It depends on what, how, how serious I get about making a film. Okay. Making a documentary film about this and the people that we meet. Isn't that the purpose of this trip? Yes, but I don't necessarily need a crew. We've done it once by ourselves. We can do it again by ourselves. Right. And I'm not sure if it's going to lose the luster of it if we have someone else helping us. I'm not sure. You know, we'll we'll see how it goes. There's a couple of people that I've been talking to about filming and doing it um, with us. I'm not sure. I just want to make the best possible film for this. I'm, I don't want to I write. think if you want my advice, you should do it a little later in the year. So that you can go from desert to snow. I would like to, except that I can't because Alex starts college at the beginning of September. Uh, so I can't mm. do that. What if I took a sabbatical and met you somewhere in British Columbia? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was thinking maybe you could uh, drive the support vehicle if we have one. Okay. And maybe you could just bring your Hummer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's get into a little bit of news. All right. So the new Cannonball record has been set. Did you hear about this? I did not. You'll you'll love the vehicle that was used in, in this. So to officially qualify as a Cannonball run, the drive must begin at the Red Bull Garage in New York City and end at the Portofino Hotel in Los Angeles. And Tuman. Wait, Tab- what is the Red Bull Garage in New Red York? Red Ball. Red Ball oh, Garage. Just, Red Bull didn't exist. I heard exist, and read Red Bull. So Mr. Taman and Mr. Tabut did, did so in a blistering time of 27 hours and 25 minutes. Now, you remember Alex Roy was like uh, 30 hours or 31 hours. I don't remember what, yeah. which off the top yep. of my head. And he says, uh, Taman said, I did not want to break the record by minutes. I didn't want anyone else trying, and I didn't want to do it again. <laughs> so if you add up the, the distance and the time... That was an average speed of 103 oh. miles per hour. That's including stopping for fuel, which they managed to keep down to a blindingly fast 22 and a half minutes total. Oh, my goodness. So you have to imagine this is peeing in the... You're not going, hey, I'm going to go grab some Gardettos in the uh, in the nope. gas station here. I need some Doritos or Cheetos. No, no. They there's no. They packed their everything food. they needed. Or they didn't eat. Maybe they had some snacks. Yeah, I suppose it's only 27 hours. And a lifetime supply of Porta Johns, I'm going to guess. Um, so have you ever 
gone on your GPS and looked at your or even your trip meter in your car and mm-hmm. looked at what your average speed is. Right. It's never as fast as you think it would be. It's not even as fast as the posted speed limit. No, it's never. always if you're the speed limit is usually 70, around like 40 some miles. Yeah, 43 miles per hour. I'm, yep. always, I'm always like, oh, and I always reset it like, oh, we got to get this number up. <laughs> so I reset it. And by the time I get where I'm going, it's 40, 50 miles an hour again. Right. But so to average 103, they said I that they not imagine. They said at some points, um, I read this somewhere, this wasn't a quote by them, but they said that they had gone over 190 miles an hour. Wow. So. Where can you even do that? I don't know. In this car, as far as I'm concerned, any open road. So the, the vehicle uh-huh. is a 2015 Mercedes-Benz E63 AMG sedan formatted. Okay. So, so the E63, that's the 6.3 liter big V8, right? Right. right. Oh, the 2015, yeah. I don't. I think it's like a four liter, though. I don't think it's the big V8. That was okay. a little earlier. Um, I think this that's is, what the numbers used to mean, though, right? Yeah, but that's just not how the world works anymore. It's all a big scam. Um, so this car is. What do you think of this vehicle being used for this? Do you still think this is a grandpa car? Going 190 miles an hour and averaging. Well, you're not going to do it in a bright red little sports car. That's not my question. My question is, do you think this is a grandpa car that it's basically... It's a very, very fast grandpa car. Yes. No. <laughs> Come on, man. Give it up. Give it up already. This is not a grandpa car. It's an E63 AMG, and it just set the record across the country at an average speed of 103 miles an hour at the top speed of over 190. That is not a grandpa car in any it's way, shape, or form. No one that's, re- no one that's retired. Mercedes sedan. It just happens to be very fast and driven very fast. It's not like they did it in a Cadillac Eldorado, okay? In my mind, this is the German Cadillac Eldorado that just happens to be very fast. The German Cadillac Eldorado would be like a like an S something, like an S class. Oh, yeah, another Mercedes, of which they all look the same. Or a BMW 7 Series, or a long wheelbase Jaguar. Mm-hmm. Or it's all same plane to me. So it's, it, it's, all it takes to make a car a grandpa car is that it's big and comfortable? Yeah. Okay, so your RS4 is a grandpa car because it is enormous. No, it's and, not. Yes, it is. And it, it is. That is a compact car. Baloney. That car is. How much does that car weigh? I don't know, but it's small. What years? What years? That's that an 07. Thing? 2007 yeah. RS, RS4 yep. curb weight. It's like 4,000. 4,000 pounds. That is enormous. Yeah. That's enormous. Two of my 911s. Yeah. It's a grandpa car. I don't think you think that. Of course I don't, and neither should you, and you shouldn't think it's anything else. It's not a Mercedes. Else. What about an S8? Is that a grandpa car? Mm, for some reason, no. <laughs> you are I so full of why, shit. You, for uh, some reason, no. All right, so the plain Jane-looking silver AMG sedan was custom-built for the record attempt, and not just by being fast. Sure, it puts down about... This is, This article is from Road and Track, by the way, and I okay. skipped... There's a bunch of cool stories in this article about what they did, some well, stuff Well, I imagine when you... <laughs> Average 103 miles per so, hour. Yeah, they've got some stories. So if you want to, you should click on the show notes and read it. Okay. Uh, puts down about 700 horsepower to the wheels. Wow. Thanks to an alpha and package. With and this upgraded. is the formatic, which means all wheel drive. Right. 700 horsepower to all four wheels. Alpha 9 package with upgraded turbos, downpipes, intercoolers, and intake. The brakes and suspension are all factory AMG, and they work just fine at any speed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, they had uh, all its flashy carbon fiber trim covered with silver vinyl, which he also used to change the appearance of the taillights. And if you look at the car, he put he angled the vinyl on the taillights so the thing looks like a Honda Accord V6. <laughs> like it, the, the shape of the taillights, it looks like a Honda Accord. 
True, it truly does. The shape is uncanny, which is a great trick if for you know the police as they're going. As going. What? No, but no cop is going to be like, oh, I thought that was a Mercedes. It's just an Accord. I won't pull them over now. It's all perception. If you're going 80 in a 65 mm-hmm. in a Corvette, or you're going 80 and 65 in a Cadillac Eldorado, which one's probably going to get pulled over? The Cadillac Eldorado is definitely running drugs, though. <laughs> that's probably so. That's probably, don't discount that's that. That's probably true. Probably the most trick quote. Probably the most trick thing I had was a thermoscope on roof-mounted gimbal that could be operated via remote control by the backseat passenger, Taman said. Okay, a roof-mounted gimbal is a big crane arm. How is that under the radar? It's it's only about 12 inches, 8 inches. It's not that big. Um, Explaining that although it was great for seeing any deer, they removed the large black device from the car during daylight hours to avoid attracting attention. We picked up a cop warning on Waze, and we were able to see the heat signature of the car sitting on the side of the road. That's sweet. That is Sneaky. Now we need a thermal camera. Yeah, yeah. In all, they managed to rustle up 18 outlooks, a uh, lookout, sorry, along the sure. road. These were people who drove hundreds of miles in many cases just to scout the road ahead of the fast-moving AMG for a stretch and let the team know of any police activity or other hazards ahead. Yeah, and they were going in real time. So I, I uh, talked to Alex Roy, who mm-hmm. we've talked to many times. I asked his thoughts on, uh, on this. He says, quote, records are meant to be broken. A cannonball run of 24 hours is possible. The technology is starting to fall into place. I predict it will occur between 2025 and 2030. So they, he thinks they can cut another hour off. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering what uh, what technology he is talking about. Wait, no, three hours. They did in 27 hours here. Oh, yeah. That's Well, that's two. We're both bad at math. Okay. So uh, in my 24, opinion, 27 minus 24 is three, Chris. Uh, he said 2025 to 2030. I'm talking time. 24 oh, oh, hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, anyway, we're going to just go ahead and <laughs> we'll just go ahead and delete that off the podcast. Um, so everything has a terminal velocity, right? Okay. Even flight has its limit. So if you're in a, in a, in a jet or something, mm-hmm. there's a suit that you have to wear that keeps your blood circulation from all going to the back of your body or up into your head. So, okay. you so you're out. talking about the physical limits of the human body now. Physical limits of the human body. Um, there's also physical limits of what cars are capable of doing. Traction, tire wear, everything else. So there is, I don't know where the limit is, but there is a limit of how fast this can be done based on the infrastructure of the roads, okay. what kind of car you're driving, the endurance right. of a human being, right. the endurance of tires, uh, fuel economy, everything else. There is a fastest time. There is no. You You're can't, assuming no traffic and no cops and no weather. It's for the variables. law of diminishing returns. The closest you get to the fastest, the harder it's going to get to go any faster. Oh, for than, sure. So I, there's got to be a limit. I wonder what it is. There's, well, there's there, a theoretical limit, which is, as I said, not factoring the variables of police presence, traffic and weather. I think those are the three big variables. I bet that regardless, could, otherwise you could just pedal the metal. You do the calculations as far as how fast you can go for how long of a period until your tires blow, and you just do that. So I think what you could do is you could probably come up with a computer model that you say, okay, I'm going to eliminate all traffic. These are the roads I'm going to take. So then basically it comes down to how much fuel you can carry, how mm-hmm. fast can your car go, because mm-hmm. we know those. Those are known factors. We can say these cars can do this. The only thing we don't know is the human element. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's really the only. Right. So we'll. I mean, we just we can only, we can only know so much. I wouldn't ever try to do it in less than twenty four hours. Have you ever seen the movie Inception? Yeah, you have. Finally, a movie that I <laughs> I no, suggest I love that movie. I've, I've seen told several Jake times. about twenty five or thirty movies, and I asked him the other day, "Have you ever watched one movie that I've recommendation re- yeah, re- no. recommended?" The answer is no. So I'm surprised that you've seen it. So in the movie, uh-huh. in his mind, he gets the Inception 
to do things, right? You can put, you can in, basically plant like, things. The whole in, concept of Inception, yes, you can plant an idea. I wonder where that takes place that causes people to do things like this or do anything that is just really, really wild. For me, it was the uh, going on Hogback Ridge. Okay. I love driving before that, but it's, but when I finally got to Hogback Ridge, you were there, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, all I wanted to do was that. All I wanted to do was drive and explore new places and experience the emotion that I had when I was there. So I wonder what it what the what the inception point is for going 190 miles an hour across the country. Like what? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a different type of thrill seeker too. It's not just you're not like an adrenaline junkie doing that because that's different. That's climbing mountains. That's jumping that's out of airplanes. James Parkman, like we talked to right. last week. Right, and the, I would argue that's even a different type of adrenaline junkie because that's more like exploration and. I, you know what I mean? It's right. If you just wanted to go get your rocks off, you can go jump out of planes or right. go mountain climbing or something. But it's this whole pushing the limits of endurance and and laws, right? Right. Just it, and I think the the, uh, the fact that it's illegal. Oh yeah, is is a huge part huge part of things. So, do you think this is okay that they did this? I would. Here's what I I would always say no, right? Because this seems so risky and endangering other people. But watching Alex Roy's documentary and seeing how kind of careful they were, and I almost think they're less of a risk on the road even doing that than the average person who isn't paying here's, attention. Here's the only thing that seems unsafe about it: when you're alone, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. Right. Right. You're only well, endangering yeah. yourself and your passenger. That's up to you and that person that's with you, unless you kidnap them or something. Right. Hey, come on, get in the car. We're going across gunpoint. <laughs> but so there's right. you're only talking about endangering other people. At what point, at what speed when you're passing someone on the freeway, does it become grossly negligent? Right. The speed limit 70. The person in the right lane is going 70. 75, no problem. 80, not a big deal. 85, Still probably not a big deal. In 90, most states. 90? I'm not even talking about the law. Because talk- in the law, most states, it's 100 miles an hour. Fine. 90 miles an hour, you're passing somebody, they're going 70? The, right. That 20 mile per hour difference is pretty big. Because when you, let's say you're going to look, you're going to look to change your lane. You look in your mirror, you see a car, you look forward, you look again. Some people aren't going to look more than once. They're going to look, right. see the car, say, that's the distance that car is away from me, and they're going to merge into that lane. Right. It's just people that they get into their habits. So at what speed is it? Deadly. I'm saying 90 miles an hour is kind of the, if you're passing people at 90, 95 miles an hour, that gets pretty dangerous. You start passing people at 100, 120, 130 miles an hour, you're passing people. You can't even tell what kind of car is going by when it's going by that fast. It's it's ridiculous. I've, I've done stupid things. I've passed people going 120, 130 before. It's scary how much faster you're going than that person. So I just, I just want to ask what you thought, if you thought it was okay or not. I kind of... I would say no. I, I would also would agree that that is like negligent and totally irresponsible. However, my point I was trying to make is when you watch the documentary with Alex Roy, the planning and concentration that goes into the calculation, maybe is what it is, that goes into at least when he did it, it seems like he is more aware and more careful, even at those speeds, than I would say the average driver is going the speed limit. Right. More and aware. One thing that I think, I don't know if he said this when he was just talking to me or it was on the podcast or whatever, but he said, uh, um, I, all the time I hear people that, you know, they got into a car accident or their they, their car mm-hmm. got out of control or their car did this. It's like, no, you, you. did. It was right. you. Even if it was someone else's fault that got in your way or whatever, it's still your fault. Because you're not, yeah, avoiding. You didn't make the not... right decision or you didn't, right. you know I mean, it's all in, it's all on you. 
That's what it really comes down to with all this. Okay, so um, as predicted, electronic vehicles are killing jobs and upending the auto industry. This is via Bloomberg. Okay. So it's turning out to be one of the worst years ever for auto workers across the globe amid shrinking demand and a tectonic shift in vehicle technology with Daimler AG and Audi announcing almost 20,000 job cuts in the past week. Wow. All told, car makers are limiting more than 80,000 jobs during the coming years, according to data compiled by Bloomberg News. All the cuts are concentrated in Germany, Germany, the U.S., and the U.K. Faster-growing economies have not been immune and are seeing automakers scale back operations. The German companies joined GM, Ford, and Nissan in massive retra- retractments in motion over the past year. The industry is sputtering as trade tensions and tariffs raise costs and stifle investment. And as manufacturers reassess their workforce in an era of electrification, autonomous driving, and ride-on-demand services. There's a point to all this. I know this is kind of like, but there's. I want to make a point at the yeah. end. The persistent slowdown in global markets will continue to dent automakers' margins and earnings, which have been hurt by increased R&D spending for autonomous driving technology. And this is the thing, is if you, the more you force these this stuff on people, this is expensive. Mm-hmm. If you think uh, raising emissions requirements was expensive, this is really expensive. I mean, what is it? Volkswagen spent a billion dollars on this? Right. So many automakers, automakers, <laughs> many automakers are now focused <laughs> on cost-saving plans to prevent margin erosion. So they spent all this money now, and they go, oh, my God, we're not making as much money on the cars, but we still need to continue to be able to invest in the future. What are we going to do? Cut jobs. The most right. expensive part of making anything is labor. Hmm. If it were a country, the auto industry would be the world's sixth largest economy, wow. according to Fearcroft, a technical job, job placement firm. In Germany alone, when including local operations of foreign manufacturers, about 150,000 jobs might be at risk in the coming years, according to estimates by the by the who cares. The seismic, uh, so basically what I'm saying is the seismic and monumental shift is coming. How you drive, what you drive, where you drive, and who drives you is going to change dramatically in the next 10 years because there's way too much money at stake for this not to happen. People are going to lose their jobs. Companies are going to suffer. And if they, they're not going to suffer for nothing, this is going to happen. Everybody is like, ah, well, maybe it won't happen. This, you know, maybe people will reject the electric car thing and we'll just be able to continue to drive. Right. No, no, this is going, this is going to happen whether you like it or not. I think you're kind of contradicting yourself because you're saying there's so many job losses and so much money being lost in the labor field because of the shift to electronic cars and autonomous cars and everything else. Why wouldn't some companies choose to be kind of the stalwarts in the industry and say, we're just going to do internal combustion engines. We're going to hire the workers. So who's going to, let's say, let's say you're right. Okay. So they're going to continue to, someone's going to make, so Volkswagen puts a billion dollars into electric cars or Ford puts $900 million into electric cars. Okay. And then let's say Joey's car says, we're just going to make, you know, combustion cars. Screw it. We're not doing it. That's what you're saying. Right. Yep. Okay. So who is going to be able to go to the government and be like, Hey, you know, this, we need this to happen. These regulations need to happen. Joey's cars over here is uh, still making cars. We've invested a billion dollars in this, and we have every single one of our union guys is going to be voting in the next election. And if you want these union guys to vote for your guy, you better make sure that Joey's cars doesn't do business anymore, or you better make mm-hmm. it harder for Joey's cars. That's just the way that it works. I don't want to believe that, Chris. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this already happened when electric cars were starting to become something that was thought about in the 80s. I'm pretty sure that's 
what happened is that stuff got stomped on pretty quick by the big Damn three lobbyists. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is just a short thing. Remember, well, it turns into a long thing once I started looking into <laughs> it. Remember when I said the Cybertruck isn't a truck because it can't haul plywood? Oh, yeah, yeah. The old like four by eight sheet. Got to do it. Sheetrock, plywood, et cetera. Yeah. So as uh, as you as as is usual, following Tesla reveals, there are many burning questions about the Cybertruck. One such question recently appeared on Twitter, posted by Ron Pomeroy. In true Elon Musk style, reply came from a seemingly social media addicted CEO almost instantly. He says, Elon, how now how should I transport a standard four by each by eight sheet of plywood in my Cybertruck? Can you add a flip stop to the tailgate? Elon's response? Yes. <laughs> so wait, if we want a new feature on any Tesla, all we have to do is tweet at Elon? Honestly, he was t- he <laughs> I was reading some of the court documents. We're going to talk about that in a second. But he, okay. a, a lot, he says a lot of the innovations on the rockets, the planes, the cars comes from people asking for things on Twitter. No kidding. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Wow. It's just that easy. So meanwhile, he's in court, court for calling someone pedo guy. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, pedo, pedo, Pe- pedo, pedo guy. guy. Um, so the question in court is if it's an Internet insult or defamation. So Vernon Unsworth, mm. known as Pedo Guy, says, <laughs> says well, the, now you can see why he's suing him. Says the entrepreneur's tweets humiliated him. Come on. Is this the guy Come from on. saving the kids and the yeah, like, he was submarine like some, thing? He was like a diver or something. Right. And he's called him a pedo guy or something like that. <laughs> I, this guy what? is he's looking for a cash out. Eh, the fact that you know him as pedophilia guy, I can see there was some damage done. Only in the fact that he thinks he can get money from him. If if Elon Musk was just another, like, let's say he drove a tugboat and he drove by this guy as he was about to dive in the water and said, hey, pedo guy, but he would not be suing the tugboat driver. Devil's advocate, the tugboat guy doesn't have an audience to say that to. Let's say tugboat driver does have an audience. Then you'd probably be angry at tugboat guy. But he's not rich. Then how does he have such an audience? There's lots of people that are rich that don't have audiences. Social media is full of Other it. Other way around. A lot of people that have audiences that aren't rich. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. It's, right. I think it's the money. Much of uh, much of the rest of Musk's testimony involved the close parsing of the degree of flippancy that should be accounted to the word pedo versus pedo guy. And further questions about Musk's intent when he de- deployed the phrase against Unsworth. Wow. I did not accuse Mr. Unsworth of being a pedophile, Musk said. And uh, reminded me, do you know what that reminds me of? I, I know what you're <laughs> going to say. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> Musk says, I did not accuse Mr. Unsworth of being a pedophile, Musk said. So pedo guy. Pedo guy just and like pedophile. A, yeah, not the same. Just like a blowjob. It's not <laughs> sex. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. So you want to take the next one? I will. So in an interview with CNBC, Porsche Cars North America CEO Klaus Zellmer said the Taycan is attracting a surprising amount of interest from the current Tesla owners. The executive didn't mention numbers, but said out of the thousands of customers showing, quote, since sincere interest in the Taycan, Tesla owners are the largest group besides current Porsche customers. Besides attracting the Tesla owners, Zellman said the company has seen interest from people owning luxury vehicles made by Audi, BMW, and Mercedes. That being said, nearly half of the interest comes from Porsche owners. Didn't I say this? Didn't I say that this was Tesla? At the time, I said Tesla's kind of like this niche luxury oddity type thing. Yes. And as soon as the new shiny thing came out, people were going to migrate yes. because Tesla's just not cool anymore. Yeah. But I- And I think... 
I really think that's why the Tesla Cybertruck is what it is. I think that Elon needed a some big sort of flash in the pan, a big flash in the pan, a big eh. shock. I think. Do you think that they just developed the Cybertruck since they released the Taycan? No, but we've been knowing that this stuff's going to be coming for years. Like we knew the Audi e-tron was coming. We knew all this other stuff. Was so coming. if your theory is correct, the next time any automaker has a big reveal for the next electric car that could compete with Tesla, Tesla's going to come out with another something. I think big. that the Taycan thing was unique because it was the first one that wasn't a Tesla to come out. It's the first car that is kind of groundbreaking, right? The Tesla sure. is always like the Model 3, the Model S, all that stuff has been, wow, this is unlike anything else. Sure. Now the Taycan is also something that's unlike anything else. Except for a Tesla. Except for, <laughs> well, true. And But here's yeah. the thing is now everything that comes after that is another electric car. Yeah. So Porsche I was kind of first to market with that. So I, I think that's, I think Elon was a little bit, perhaps a little bit jealous. So Reseron, so remember when, uh, do you remember when Ford responded to Tesla's video of a of a yeah they cyber did truck dragging an F yeah they did a tug of war against Cybertruck. Someone at Ford was like, "Oh, bring it, you know, bring your thing." Yeah. and then they were like, "Oh, maybe we're just kidding." <laughs> but there's a, a company called Resvani Motors has challenged Tesla to a different kind of test. Okay, Resvani Motors and its CEO Ferris Resvani is trying to freeload on the Cybertruck's social media notoriety in hopes of <laughs> snatching some of its viral limelight. Resvani Motors challenges Tesla to a ballistics test to verify their ballistics claim. In the aftermath of the $70,000 all-wheel drive Tesla's truck tug-of-war with a $30,000 light Trudy, blah, 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 just said all that. Right. Anyway, they, they say, if you look at this truck, um, it looks kind of like a Suzuki... What's You're that? talking the Revzani. Yeah, it looks kind of like a Suzuki little SUV yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm just but looking it up because I didn't know anything about this. I've so never heard of this It's thing. called the Tank... X. <laughs> no, you know what it is? It looks exactly like the FJ Cruiser that Toyota... Do they still make that? I don't know. The cooler? The FJ Cruiser? The, the cooler. The is one that, that what you call it? It's blue on the bottom and white on the top. It <laughs> yeah, looks like yeah. a Coleman cooler. Okay, yes. Yeah. The cooler. It looks like they took that, added fender flares, different headlights, and painted it flat black. Yes, and then it also has like a bunch of... It looks like it went through a science fiction... like. Accessory room with all the like the flat black like armor panels. Yeah. Anyway, and so by the way, says, this is not an electric car. This has a, a six point two liter V eight. Sweet. Which would you rather have? Probably this. <laughs> Me too. This thing looks pretty cool. He's, so they say, Tesla, bring your balls, and we'll bring our AK. Let's do a real ballistics test. Heck, we're in for a tug of war challenge too. The Tesla truck is the worst professionally designed car of all time, and we will fix at no cost. Says CEO <laughs> Ferris Rizvani. So I think this thing is also bulletproof then? Apparently. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was just wondering if we're going to start judging all trucks now, whether they would have survived Libya under the Muammar Gaddafi's <laughs> reign. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, can you take your truck into combat? Yeah. Can, <laughs> that's just what every American needs. Hey, it's a reason mine's called the Hummer. I was. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't have any idea. What, <laughs> what are we going to say? I don't know. All right. So Tesla waits hours to charge. Do you want to take that one? Yeah. So I saw this video. I haven't read this uh, this article yet, but there was a video that came out that showed footage showing drivers queued up back to back in line stretching over half a mile long in Irving, California. It was well over an hour to wait to charge your Tesla. And this is yes. on Sunday after Thanksgiving, basically. So it's the biz one of the busier travel days of the year. Uh, right, isn't it? Yeah, so Tesla drivers attempting to juice up after Black Friday sounded off on social media, claiming the wait time was anywhere from 30 minutes to well over an hour. 
<laughs> and it's interesting because there's one guy who basically films going down this line and it's like 50 some cars lined up to get into the Tesla dealership where they have the Tesla superchargers, of course. So I see this A as predictable. Right. B as a business opportunity. If there's this many people that need to charge their cars, it's to the point now where it's like, hey, maybe some more stations should open up. Right. I, I read about this, though, and it's not. Basically, you need either the government to buy into this. I, where did I read this article? I emailed Tesla about opening one up. Did you? Yeah, they'll they'll basically subsidize it for you if you have a good. See, enough that's what plan. you need is you need subsidizing because you're not going to make a lot of money for how expensive these chargers are. Correct. That's They're why like I think you need to have some two hundred thousand dollars. It, it for needs a to be. If anybody steals my idea, I will find you. It needs to be like a Tesla charging station <laughs> attached to a Starbucks or a Caribou. Oh yeah, no, it, you definitely need somewhere so you, to chill. You need somewhere to chill, and you need somewhere even as th things go faster. You know, as as things the, the charging happens faster, and you're in and out and mm -hmm. stuff like that. It needs to the money is as always going to be the candy bars and the coffee, right? And the so newspapers there was actually, and the beef jerky, which is ridiculously overpriced at every gas station ever built. There's actually a town in Minnesota where the downtown like commerce actually all chipped in to buy one. And then because they figured it's basically attracting people downtown and they're going to go to the coffee shop and the little trinket shop and everything else. Right. So that's kind of the model that is going to be adopted. It's not going to be like a gas station where you buy a couple chargers and just make money off of people charging. Yeah, because there's just not. It's just not there. No. All right. So next, what do we got next? Right. So you remember the brand new C8 mid-engine Corvette. The basically the cheapest, best sports car Came of all time. Came in under $60,000. So we've all heard that this price squeaks right in at $59,995. I like that it's like a price is right thing. Like, yeah. hey, <laughs> spend the wheel if you guess. If you guess under nine, nine, they should have made it 99 $59,999. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> according to an internal source, the original budget for the C8 project assumed a starting price of seventy nine thousand nine hundred ninety five. Again, why do they use the five? Eighty grand is basically what they assumed the starting price was going to be when they started this project. So this means that the new Corvette is a loss leader, and Chevy is actually losing money on every car they sell under eighty thousand dollars. Now we do know that the price is set to increase in twenty twenty one, which isn't surprising because the uh, base price of the outgoing C seven, when that first was released, it rose nearly two grand in its second year, and then another two grand the following year. So basically, there's a precedent to release it and then jack up the price little sure. by little. Uh, keep in mind though that the C eight has a long list of options that can turn a sixty grand Stingray into an eighty grand car real quick like would you like an airbag that will be eighty thousand dollars <laughs> i don't think it's quite that but uh i'm sure if you get one extra knob option if you get knob option addition any package right. anything it's the cold weather be, package it's gonna be seats. you're there fast you are there yeah really so fast. It, in fact the c8 stingray z71 that automobile magazine drove was optioned to over eighty eight thousand dollars yeah that doesn't take long does it no all right so this is kind of an old story but I heard it on a radio station, and when I was driving around Milwaukee, these DJs were talking about it. I'm like, this is pretty good. I think Jake will have a good time with it. Okay. So at a recent computer expo, Bill Gates, recent as in a really long time ago, uh, Bill, <laughs> Bill Gates reported, reportedly compared the computer industry with the auto industry okay. and stated, if GM had cut up with technology like the computer industry has, we would all be, we would all be driving $25 cars that get 1,000 miles per gallon. Basically, <laughs> basically Comparing saying, it to the innovation in right, computing. Cars, right? He's saying cars haven't gone anywhere. Right. Well, compared to where computers have gone. Correct. It's true. It's true. 
In response to Bill's comments, General Motors issued a press release stating, if GM had developed technology like Microsoft, we would all be driving cars with the following characteristics. Oh, geez. One, for no reason whatsoever, your car will now crash twice a day. (laughs) (laughs) Like Windows does. (laughs) Every time they repainted the lines on the road, you would have to buy a new car. Mm. Occasionally, your car would die on the freeway for no reason. You would have to pull over to the side of the road, close all the windows, shut off your car, <laughs> restart it, and reopen the windows before you could continue. I like that. For some close reason, you would just simply accept this. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's that's Have just... you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. That's <laughs> just an accepted thing. Occasionally, executing a maneuver such as a left turn would cause your car to shut down and refuse to restart, in which case you would have to reinstall the engine. <laughs> There's a defragmenting joke in here somewhere, too. I'm sure. Yeah, I was going to say, is the engine the, the analogous to the OS? Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, Macintosh would make a car that was powered by the sun, was reliable, five times as fast and twice as easy to drive, but would run on only 5% of the roads. <laughs> <laughs> the oil, water temperature, and alternator warning lights would all be replaced by a single general protection fault warning light. Hmm. I have no idea what that's referring to. The airbag system would ask, are you sure, before deploying? <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, for no reason whatsoever, your car would lock you out and refuse to let you in until you simultaneously lifted the door handle, turned the key, and grabbed a hold of the radio Control, antenna. delete. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Every time GM introduced a new car, car buyers would have to learn how to drive all over again because none of the controls would operate in the same manner as the old car. <laughs> You'd have to press the start button to turn the engine off. Ah, uh, we've gotten there. I was going to say that's actually yeah, a thing. Took some, took some advice. We've got there. So, next story. Uh, do you know what smells? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what smells? Are you asking me? Do just you in know general? what smells worse than poop? All right, <laughs> here we go. A smoking German coupe crossover was filmed on the side of the road in Samara, a small Russian city. Located southeast of, southeast of Moscow, near the Kazakhstan border, with fire coming out from under the hood. The driver reportedly called the emergency services, but as the fire was spreading fast, he had no option but to signal for help. For better or for worse, a sewage truck happened to be passing by. <gasps> the good Samaritan behind the oh, wheel no. of the truck pulled over next to the bimmer. Oh, no. We don't know whose idea it was, no. but a few seconds later, no. a lot of brown stuff started coming out. No. The owner of the X6 then popped the hood open, revealing the source of the fire, as the other guy kept pouring human waste no. onto the engine in what was one of the smelliest fire extinguishing techniques of all Are time. Are you kidding me? The person, <laughs> the person filming the incident decided that enough is enough and hit the stop button before the fire oh was my out, goodness. letting our imagination run wild as to what happened next. Did Captain Brown save the first Gen X6? <laughs> Were the frames stronger? Did they wipe the car afterwards? Oh. Tune in next time for another episode, blah, blah, blah. And if you watch the oh. video and we'll post it in the show notes, it's just this poor dude. Just there's no, it's not like there's water pressure. It's so just, just kind of like, it's just. I would call it it's glorping out. It's glorping. It's oh man. Oh, why, I think he would just say at that point, no, 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 just just let it burn. Like why you're not gonna save it. It's already done the damage. By yeah. having a fire under the hood, like it's basically gone. And you're just gonna dump poop on it. You're just gonna dump poop on it, is right. All right, so we have Buster Conrad in. Let's see, uh, let's see what he's up to. Hi, Chris and Jake. Today I'm in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey at BMW. I'll just redo it. Okay. 
Hi, Chris and Jake. Today I'm in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey at BMW North America headquarters speaking with Eric Wright, the product strategy executive whose innovative feature-on-demand plan is making waves in the automotive news world. Eric, thank you for making time in your busy schedule to better inform our listeners about BMW's revolutionary new way of making upgrades instantly available to its customers. You're welcome, Buster. This expansion of the existing BMW Connected Drive Store has been made possible by the vast capabilities of our vehicle's powerful computing systems. Using the existing Drive Store billing framework, customers can instantly add driving assistance modules. I'm going to beat you to the joke everyone makes. The turn signals are still standard equipment in all BMWs. <laughs> Very cool, Eric. So if I understand you correctly, if I purchase a 530i, in six months I can upgrade it if I want to? Click here and click there, and I can add the E38 grill, S85 V10, and a six-speed just like that. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I'll definitely relay that idea down to engineering. But think more along the lines of how your smartphone has replaced hundreds of separate devices. It's a phone, camera, computer, organizer, personal assistant, and video game system, and so on. We want our cars to give our customers the same exciting instant gratification experience as they have with their phones. So what you're saying is that I can play Angry Birds in a 5 Series while driving to work? <laughs> wow, that's cool. Absolutely. Once the laws catch up with our technology, that is, we're already working on conjugal activity-enabled vehicles. <laughs> Gaming would be no problem compared to that. I like how you think, Eric. Speaking of thinking, how did you ever come up with such an innovative idea? I'm glad you asked. It's a funny story. <laughs> I funded my college education selling drugs out of the trunk of a beat-up 1997 740. <laughs> Who would have known that my career path would bring me right back into a BMW? <laughs> Anyhow, I learned quite a bit about marketing, running my street corner pharmaceutical pop-up store, a lot of which can be used in my current career. A single sale is good, but a regular customer is way better. A sizable amount of our customer base purchases the base model and is initially happy with it. But the real money is in the optional upgrades. We plan on doing free trial weeks that spotlight one driver assist at a time to let our customers see what they're missing. Once you get them hooked on the first hit, they'll be back for more, ready to purchase access to functionality that's already pre-installed on their car. They've already purchased a premium segment vehicle that's going to depreciate like a falling boulder, so we know that they make impulsive financial decisions. Just like how I know a crackhead won't stop buying crack, we know that the customer is eventually going to buy all of the upgrades. It sounds like you've got a great recipe for making the BMW driving experience really exciting, Eric. Say, if you're in need of a voice actor for your in-car weather app, I know a guy. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> All right, Mr. Conrad, thanks for bringing us that story. Did you hear that? Um, you know how they were going to charge for CarPlay? No, I didn't. They were going to charge you to use Apple CarPlay or Android, whatever it's called. Okay. Whatever it's called. It's not as good as Apple CarPlay. Is right. Um, <laughs> the soon play. But <laughs> 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 uh, it's going to be free now. So uh, Buster's uh, okay. interview with them must have kind of oh, made sure, them feel yeah, a little clearly. bit. So the Apple CarPlay is going to be free. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Patreon? And before we do that, yes. everybody listen to this. This is important. Don't just <laughs> oh, turn geez. the podcast off. Yes. What have you got for us? If you head over to patreon.com slash overcrest, you can join and support the show. It really means a lot to us, and you'll get exclusive content. Every month we record history episodes or exclusive never 
before seen behind the scenes episodes just for our Patreon members. In addition, there are uh, several tiers to choose from. If you go up to one of the higher tiers, you get uh, some cool swag from us. You get a love note from Chris. You get maybe some photography from Chris. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Other things from Chris. There's, you know, what I want to do is I want to make some little lapel pins of our cars. I think that would be, be really fun. Cool. Yeah, I've been talking to some people. Maybe we get some lapel pins out yeah. to people. Yeah, some of the people that you know have been ten dollar, ten dollar uh, subscribers for a while and didn't back down to five dollars after a while. Maybe we'll give those guys a pin. You know, kind of help Absolutely. everybody else that's supporting the show. Um, all right, guys, that's it. We uh, we appreciate it. We will see you guys next week. Jake will not be here for next week's news. It's just going to be me. I will not. It's going to be me and Mister Fetter. So he hasn't been in a while. So it's going to be me and Mr. Fetter having a an energy-based bonanza here in the podcast about you. We'll, you know what we'll I should do? I should, dr- I should call in drunk on my ties from the beach of Hawaii. That doesn't sound like that's going to be hard to pull off. No, I can definitely <laughs> do that is my point. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Take care.